0: Well, Betty, it's great to have you uh, on this on this call. Uh, we're here basically to uh, to interview you about your process uh, with the paintings for the Celtic Way. Um, it's been beautiful uh, for me. I think particularly it's been a blessing to enter each walk, each audio walk, uh, having your your painting to reflect on, and it's just mm. been it's felt seamless for me to. Be able to reflect on your your paintings, uh, the questions you give, and then go right into the the, the walking portion of it. So I've been uh, I've been impressed with how seamless it's been hmm. actually. Oh, go so, ahead. Yeah, yeah. So we want to get a little bit into some of the process that you went through and kind of coming up with the paintings and how everything worked together. So I have some questions uh, for you. The first one is. Um, Basically, can you tell us a little bit more about your own creative process and uh, how you approached, uh, particularly this work with the Celtic Way? Uh, what, what was your process in, in going into this?
1: Yeah, well, it's great to be here. Thanks for, for having me. And yeah, some of my process, you know, it looks a little bit different with each work, but with this particular work, what was really interesting is, is kind of the story behind it is that I actually had started. Working on a series for uh, the vine in John 15. So this mm-hmm. painting didn't originally start of the Celtic Way paintings. I had these square, you know, the small, smaller panels uh, were originally branches of the vine, kind of going around this square in the seasonal rhythms of the vine. And I had been interviewing this vine dresser and learning about how. Uh, how the vine grows and progresses in the different seasons, and so I had like planned it all out, and had even gotten to the point where the you know the branches were in there. I had already done the center panel of the vine, and had been um, also even using gold leaf. So all of those gold leaf circles were in there and uh we i got to this phase that i call the ugly phase which most artists get to where it your piece gets stuck and it looks ugly and you want to throw it away or throw it against the wall and i had kind of gotten to that place with this painting and what i love about the creative process is often i will get to that place and i'll have to set this piece aside for a little while and then god will resurrect it somehow like there will be an idea that comes or a new direction. And, and at, at that point, I really had to surrender, like, God, I don't, I don't, and I remember praying, like, what do you want this piece to be? And, and every artist kind of has to hold that open yeah. to allow the piece to become what it wants to become. It kind of often has a life of its own. <laughs> and it was just shortly after that, that as I was on the Celtic Way planning team, uh, Bethany and Sarah came up with the idea of having eight walks and having kind of the center thematic image be the 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 celtic tree the tree of life and it was crazy because the the vine in the middle was already starting to look like a tree and there were these square eight square panels that were already created i just kind of held it open like god what are you wanting to change the direction of this work you know and so he did and it was kind of one of those divine moments and so if you look in the work, you can actually see there's some layers of the branches behind it. And so in terms of the actual medium, it's liquid acrylic in um, oil on clay boards. So clay is, clay board is a medium that I actually make myself. Uh, they're sold in the store, but they're very expensive. So it's literally clay that I mix up in a double boiler with glue and white pigment, paint several layers over it and sand it down, which is really cool for me because as I think about that we were formed from clay and that we were formed from dust. Now yeah. I'm actually being able to create the surfaces out of clay. And uh, so then it's, yeah, several layers of liquid acrylic. There's probably maybe 20 layers in the pieces now. Uh, and then I've just recently started working more with gold leaf to incorporate that into the work. And so usually the first stages of it is very uh, I'm kind of surrendering I don't have a specific direction just laying paint down and creatively expressing and allowing the work to take form and then over time you know as I obviously the direction changed we started doing more study around all of these saints and began kind of asking the question okay what is what is it in this story that God want, wants to communicate almost as a spiritual parable for our lives and how can I Put their story into a painting in a way that the viewer themselves can connect in a in a, in a in a almost a parabolic way with the story of the saint, and so thinking about it that way.
0: So uh, yeah, you mentioned the golden leaf, which I think is beautiful for your painting. Because remember the first painting I saw, even before we started, um, I just started. You know, I started weeping. Mm-hmm. I, I'm I, I cry easily when I encounter the Lord, but. It felt instantly uh, the golden leaf just did something for me in terms mm. of um, representing, I don't know, the Holy Spirit or the presence of God. And so I was wondering, can you share a little bit more about this whole theme uh, with the golden leaf?
1: Yeah. So, gold leaf, you know, as many people will recognize, has been used, you know, for centuries uh, in a lot of different ways. And in every culture, gold is is representing kind of what is most precious to us and it's also in my mind representing holiness because gold is refined and it is purified and yeah. similarly because it is reflective uh, it reflects the light and I think in many ways conveys the light of God and the presence of God and in each of the, paintings of the saints, I was just kind of asking the question, you know, if the Holy Spirit were to be embodied into this piece, what would the Holy Spirit be doing? And how would it be moving in, in and among the, the scene and in the characters in the stories. And so that's how I kind of depicted it. And, you know, you could probably see that the, 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 the rhythm for many of them are very circular and cyclical. And, and in so many ways, the Celtic way is that journey of, wandering in in, in a spiral way, in a circular way, and especially even with all of the paintings going around the tree of life in this sort of seasonal rhythm. So the sun is gold leaf in each of the paintings. And so the sun actually begins before dawn, so that's not pictured in the, in the root one in the story of Patrick, and then gradually goes down through the roots. It's still kind of dark, starting to come mm-hmm. to light. And then as you get into the branches, it's becoming more you know daytime and then setting in the story of Columba, um, just kind of representing the cyclical circular uh, rhythm of the seasons and of the spiritual journey.
0: Now, I forgot to mention that you are the Assistant Director of Spiritual Formation. Uh, you work with carolyn carney mm-hmm. uh, who i believe is a director and so i'm just wondering just the intersection for you in terms of the intersection of art and spiritual formation uh, so how how do those come together for you
1: yeah well when i think about spiritual formation i think about who we are becoming that's what spiritual mm-hmm. formation is about and in so many ways, I see so many uh, layers of overlap between the creative process and between spiritual formation, because first of all, I can tell that when I am creating, that God is making me, that as I am making something, God is making me into something because in yeah. the creative process itself, you know, you're, you're required to surrender to the direction of what God wants you to do, you have to kind of trust your intuition and trust uh, the Spirit's leading. It's also a, a very worshipful place for me when I'm painting. I'm just really in this intimate place in in the presence of God and worshiping and responding to Him. And and what's really interesting is that you know in spiritual formation we are um, called to sort of pay attention. It's learning how to pay attention to both what you see, but also the inner life. And so In creating, I am developing a keen awareness of what the paint is doing, every little subtle nuance and shift in the paint. And I'm responding to what I'm seeing. And sort of this, it's almost like this dance between me and God and the work that is listening and responding, which I think is so much like the spiritual journey that when we are creating things in our lives, whether or not it's a piece of art or ministry or a garden, you know, we are called to listen and to respond to both what's in front of us and to God and to ourselves. And Mm -hmm. what's interesting too, is that research has shown that when it comes to growing and learning that we actually just in the last 15 years, neuroscientists have shown that we process information from kind of the back of the brain, the limbic system up through the right of the brain, and then over to the left side of the brain, which means Mm -hmm. that your, you know, creativity, the imagination, art, um, all of these things and the right side of the brain are sort of pre-logic or rational thought. That's also the place that we have experiences and emotions and I think, you know, and relationships. And so when you think about relationships with god your relationship with god your relationship with other people all of that is happening kind of in the right side of your brain and it's yeah. in, in terms of theology and in terms of you know kind of textual and you know analysis of the text that comes after encounter and so so often yeah. i think we in in terms of theology and scripture we we do it backwards. We think, oh, we're gonna we're gonna study the text. We're gonna dive into the the logic and the language, uh, but but the right side of the brain actually precedes language. It's it's a faster processing system, and uh, it's it's sort of after that encounter that then we are are putting language to what just happened.
0: Um, so, p- with this particular project with the Celtic Way, what have been some of the overlaps then between? some of these issues of spiritual spiritual formation, the Celtic way, some of those themes uh, Mm -hmm. from that, and then the the whole creative process.
1: Yeah, so, you know, first of all, like uh, in kind of the overview of all of the paintings around the tree of life, what's beautiful about as we mentioned earlier, the way that the um, Celtic Christians thought about the spiritual life is it it, they paid attention to the seasons and sort of these cyclical rhythms of life, death, and resurrection, you know, and we can see that in each of the stories of the saints of sort of this wandering journey of life, death, death, and resurrection, and obviously in our spiritual lives, that we, our lives are not linear. It's not, we're going to start here from point A and go to point B, you know, but it's, where are we in our lives continually journeying around this seasonal rhythm that there are seasons in our life that it feels more like winter and dormancy as many of us have felt in this <laughs> pandemic, yes, you know, that we're genuine. just sort of like underground trying to hunker down, but, um, that God births new things and that, uh, you know, he brings death, he brings resurrection out of death and that we are always in this process. And similarly, anytime I create a work, you know, it it often starts as a kind of bursting forth of, of spring, and there's life and there's new ideas, they, you know, things like that coming out. And then, like I said, when you get to the ugly phase, there's a part in the work where you have to to surrender and, and let the work die to die, to become what it is meant to be. And that over time, God will eventually give kind of a new burst of life. Similarly, I have to die to myself when I'm creating, I have to die to my own agenda. I have to die to my control and, you know, kind of trying to force the work into becoming, and, and I have to die to trying to make the end goal be the product versus valuing and honoring the process of what God is doing in the work and the joy and delight of being in God's presence and the process of him emerging something is so much more powerful and important and beautiful than what even the end result is. And, and trusting that my work actually can become an overflow of my relationship with God in a way that honors um, him and hopefully blesses others in that people can encounter him as they've encountered the work. And so, you know, with the Celtic way, some of the themes in terms of, of wandering, you know, and and like in Patrick's story, he's, he's not entirely sure where the end result is going to be and has to trust God's presence with him in the moment. And that is so the case in the spiritual life. And it is so the case in the creative life that we have to be attuned to God's presence, even when everything feels like it's shaking around us and we don't know where we're going, trusting God's presence to lead us step by step. And, you know, too, even in uh, route two with kind of the, the contrast of light and darkness and these powers of darkness in empire and seeing that when we are artists pay very close attention to light and dark in the work and these contrasts and how how is light conveying God's presence? And light is is an image and a metaphor that artists used for revelation. And so in each of these pieces, and particularly root, root two, is asking what is being revealed here about who God is and the power of his resurrection through Patrick's story? And how can I, as an artist, show that in terms of the contrast between light and dark? And so you have this bright, bright burst of fire. Mm. And then you have the bright sun coming up representing, you know, the resurrection sun and the hope of Christ. And so, yeah, there's just tons of yeah. things like that. And each of the paintings, um, that is just so fascinating. I mean, and, you know, branch one as well, in terms of surrender, you know, Brendan is setting out to see surrendering to where God is going to lead him as we yeah. are called to do in the spiritual life. And in the creative life too, when we are When I'm creating I'm having to surrender like to the chaos of the creative process and that uh, just as we learned in in route one you know that that creation emerges from this chaotic place that in the studio I make a complete mess (laughs) and I get paint all over my face you know and it is not like a clear-cut process but um, trusting that as I enter that chaotic space of creating where there's it's nonlinear and it's not making a lot of sense and surrendering to where it's going, that God can birth new creation out of it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Were you in the in the whole process, were you surprised at how it was evolving, how it was, what it was becoming? You know, I'm sure you entered in thinking, well, I expect to do this and get these done. But was there a moment where you felt maybe even the presence of God as things were coming together for
1: you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have these epiphanies all the time, you know, when I'm creating. And some of the pieces, you know, it's interesting that I, some of the pieces I will struggle through a little bit, you know, for in particular, um, Bridget's story and Branch 4, it was kind of a battle to figure out what is this piece going to be and Mm -hmm. how is this needing to be (laughs) conveyed and Mm. what was fun for me too was to see that in all of the layers of the painting you know that god was revealing different things in each layer and so Mm -hmm. i mean similar in our spiritual lives we have so many layers in our story between our spiritual roots, our ancestral roots, the places that we live, the stories that we have, and how, when I'm looking at these pieces, I'm seeing the history unfold, you know, and Mm -hmm. that I can see, oh, wow, there's some of that branch from the very beginning of me doing the vine (laughs) that's hanging out there in the back and sensing God say, like, I want you to leave that there, you know, because that's Mm going to reveal something about that each of these saints are like branches, you know, that are declaring the glory of God, you know? And so, they're at, and seeing even in the abstract pieces of it in the background, you know, sort of laying some clouds and sky on, but that interacting with the vine behind it or uh, beginning to ask the question, you know, like what posture does this, does this saint, should this saint be having right now? And how How can I position them in the scene do they need to be farther away? So like, you know, in branch uh, three with Patrick kind of wandering from uh, Patrick when he's coming down the mountain, you know, like it's trying to get the sense of this big wide expanse of something beyond him, that he is sort of almost lost in this wilderness and how can that evoke that in the viewer, you know? And so, Mm. yeah, like what's interesting too, is you, you know, if you were to look over my shoulder watching me paint throughout the process, you would see me put paint on and take paint off and put paint on and take paint off. <laughs> and it's a lot of experimentation of like, I think I'm yeah. going to add some rocks here. No, I think I need to take them away. I'm going to add more. No, I'm going to take them away. Uh, and it's sort of this give and take till eventually, you know, it emerges into what it's it's supposed to be and where I can say like, okay, yeah, this is where it's going to go. So.
0: Yeah. Amen. Uh, one of the things for me in route uh, one uh in my narration I share about you know Saint Patrick and the impact he had particularly for me as a as a Puerto Rican American and some of these issues of uh feeling colonized Mm -hmm. and issues Mm -hmm. of identity in my own life and so uh Patrick his journey was really important for me I'm wondering for you as you've worked uh with the paintings and some of the Celtic saints has there been any one particular story or one particular saint that's really um, spoken to you, I guess? Mm.
1: Yeah, well, definitely St. Bridget, And I think that's probably part of the reason that her painting was so hard for me to create because it was so personal for me. Uh, so you know as a woman in ministry to hear that she was ordained by a holy spirit led accident is just so <laughs> encouraging yes. I love you know that. yeah and that it that is something that uh you know god saw her and so when i painted her and you can see kind of the gold coming down from the sun upon her i wanted to portray the image that it was god who ordained her you know that it was god who placed her in that in that specific call and in her identity and that her, her vocational calling emerged out of, out of that, out of that place of belovedness in God. And so I definitely related to that, you know, as somebody who is an artist too, of like, I mean, I am there aren't too many artists, ministry leaders, you know, and so just trying yeah. to figure out what does this look like? And I'm sure, Bre- you know, Bridget didn't have, she didn't have a precedent set before her of how mm-hmm. do you be a female bishop? You know, she sort of had to set her own yeah. course and trust in God. And as well as, you know, when I think about the story of her laying down her cloak and mm-hmm. creating a space of hospitality you know, when a lot of the shootings had happened of our Asian American brothers and sisters and of um, shootings in the black community, that was really when I was diving into that part of the work. And so painting that space was really intercession because I was painting in people that I know and love into her cloak. And while I'm painting, I'm interceding, I'm lamenting. And my desire is that like, Bridget's cloak, that my paintings could become a holding place of hospitality to all different kinds of people. That when people look at my work, that they see themselves and that they see that they are welcome and beloved and that they can bring their grief and their trauma and uh, their pain into the work and find home and find belonging in it. And, And that was just a really personal piece for me as well as I was praying and interceding and trying to figure out like, How can I create spaces of hospitality like Bridget did even through the creative process and even through, you know, both the act of creating, but also the work itself.